don't. Don't open that box. What have you done? You shouldn't have opened it. You shouldn't have opened it. Opened it. Opened it. Opened it. Opened it. Hello, listening people. Hey. Hi, how are you? Yeah, right. I'm Ryan. Nice to meet you. Who are you? Oh, uh, the, the show. I'm Bartek. <laughs> Hi, Bartek. You're not going to say your last name? Nah, they can guess it. Okay, fair You're going to say yours? Slowinski. Oh, you got it. That's your last name, not mine. Um, we are Spit and Polish. Likingly, because we are always spitting, and yes, we are both Polish, as you could tell by my name, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and my last name, Slowinski. You know, as you could easily tell. My first name's Bartwom, yeah, I don't the know what's from. Sh- the podcast you are currently listening to is our show, Spit and Polish, presents The Mystery Box. <gasps> <gasps> the Mystery Box, a show in which we uh, present to you a movie discussion show in which we have watched a movie that we have found in the mystery box. The mystery box is a box full of mysterious movies that none of us have ever seen or heard of before. Where are these movies found at? You know, to give an audience a kind of idea of where we would find these unusual, unknown, mysterious movies. Well, based on the intro, it sounded like we were in a crypt of some sort. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, by the way, I'm the one that opened the box. Sorry, <laughs> voice. But I, I asked the voice, where did, where, wherefore art did these, uh, you know, I, I'm not really good with the old English, but I was like trying to Elizabeth appeal to it. There? Just, you know, wing it. Um, And the voice told me, why did you open it? Oh, they come from cash converters and op shops and stuff like that, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, secondhand. So people owned these before and then they gave them away for charity. Or money, and then and then and then the next step is question mark step four in the crypt, and then you yeah, know, then so I opened it. We found these movies. Um, now not to say that every movie that we cover is a completely unknown movie. They may or a movie at all, or a movie at all. They may be something you know, but they're definitely things that we don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we had the joy of watching a movie that was chosen at random today. What was the film that we had to watch from the box? The movie that we watched from the mystery box this episode was a movie that was all the way in the corner of the box. Jack Hunter and the Lost Treasure of Ugarit. Ugarit? I believe that was the pronunciation. <laughs> we made a bet before. We made it like a, what did we think the movie, like the pronunciation of the word was? And I said like, Ugarit? Yeah, you added like an R-A. And yours was U. Ugarit. <laughs> Yeah, Ugarit. And or the guest chose yogurt. Um, so that gives us a nice lead in to introducing our guest because we don't always watch the um, mystery box movies alone. Sometimes we have the pleasure of having a guest. And the guest has the honor of not only being on the show and having to watch the movie, but also selecting the movie. So let's give a big round of applause to the lovely woman who had the choice of selection for this episode, Rachel Apps. Hello, Rachel. Hello. Thank you. I was waiting for the applause to actually happen. I was just going to edit them in. It was going to be oh. like one clap. 
Just looped. Well, you can just do what I do when I need a link applause and just type polite clapping <laughs> and just go to YouTube and find that because it's nice and genuine. It, it feels <laughs> like you're not going overboard on like the woo, yeah, like crazy ones, but it's like, oh, you know what? They're, they're being polite. They like it. You mix that with one guy wooing. <laughs> Just... Like the golf clap. Yeah, golf clap for That's Rachel. a bit too pussy. I'm talking, about... <laughs> I'm talking like medium polite clap. We're not doing Mr. Bones. That would have been appropriate. A movie that was revolving around golf. No, we did Jack Hunter and the Lost Treasure of... What was it? Ugarit. No, that was your guess, That was Ryan. my selection. Was it Ugarit? Uga- Ugarit. 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 Yeah. Not yogurt. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't quite as, I guess... As exotic pronunciation as we were expecting. No. It just sounded like Americans were like, oh yeah, Ugarit. So, let's delve into what we had to endure and what we had to watch. Oh, it was Jack Hunter and the Lost Treasure of Ugarit. Yes. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, before we actually delve in, let's kind of discuss what we thought we were going to get with Jack Hunter. I was the one who um, discovered Jack Hunter. I, I it was found uh, at an op shop, and it is a ripoff of Indiana Jones. He has the hat. He has like the satchel. He has the shirt. It looks like Indiana Jones. No whip. They were very, very brave not to put in a whip. Uh, he does have a gun at one point. <laughs> he does use guns, unlike Indiana Jones. The, wait, and there was a, wait lo- a moment. Does Indiana use guns? Yes, yeah, he does. That, that's like the that was one of the gags. Um, there was a line in there where he mentioned like he didn't want to become a teacher, and that that's that's different they get, from they don't get to adventure. <laughs> yeah, that's that's different from Indiana Jones. He's a professor. He's, he's a teacher. He's 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 uh he's his teacher pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to get an interesting European ripoff of Indiana Jones because it's like Jack Hunter and all the names on it are European in some way. So the main guy is Ivan's... Was it Sergei? Sergei. So Ivan Sergei is is Jack. Honestly, that's two first names, really. So is it his real name? <laughs> I, guess, I don't know. His name it's, is it's Billy like, Bob. It sounds like you're trying to come up with like a really like stereotypical Russian name. Like, I am Ivan Sergei. And I thought we were going to get a very cheesemo, very cheap ripoff of Indiana Jones presented to us by a bunch of sleazy Eastern Europeans. I was kind of right, but not really. Like, it wasn't... It's more sleazy Syrians, if anything. Um, It was a movie, at least. That's a step up for us. We've watched ones that we wouldn't consider real movies, so... Yay? And again, that's not an insult to them. It's just that some of them actually aren't movies. They're just, (laughs) you know, straight-to-DVD things or they're OVAs. Uh, Yeah, so I was expecting an Indiana Jones ripoff. Kind of got it. Kind of didn't. Uh, Bartek, when this was selected from the box, 
What were your thoughts? I do remember you having mentioned this film a few times before because I would again remind audiences that I do not uh, I do not sleep close to the mystery box, I'll put it that way. I, it is not housed in my vicinity. So I do not have the luxury of inspecting or appraising it every now and then. I only see it when I come to the studio to do recordings. And even then I don't go, hey Ryan, I just need to check the box quickly. When it was picked, I was trying to remember some things you might have mentioned about it because this is a second movie in a row where it's something you've been looking forward to. <laughs> yeah. There is what there is one thing in the box that I'm really looking forward to that we haven't picked yet. And I was thinking like, oh, this there was something weird about this that Ryan said, and I guess it was the Eastern European thing. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, oh, okay, so it is going to be a bit weird. But then I looked at some of the names, and yeah, there's Ivan Sergei. Yeah. Very Russian name. But then you got like Joan... Kelly. Joan Kelly and stuff like that. And then the, the director's name is like Terry Cunningham or something. And I was like, <laughs> oh. And that made me think like, I guess this will just be, I guess, a generic kind of... Not rip-off, but Indiana Jones-style adventure film, and really, that's what what it was. That's all you got. Rachel, what about you, having selected it? Yes, I I also was anticipating an Indiana Jones aspect, but it came out being like more of a crossover between Indiana Jones and The Mummy for me. Yeah, it really was kind of like Brendan Fraser's The Mummy at points. Now, I'd like to quickly talk about the cover of Mm -hmm. this. Um, It has a lot of aspects that aren't in the film on the cover. It has our lead hero standing with the the magical staff, the magical MacGuffin of the film. And it has, you know, him in in a doorway or like of an ancient building kind of thing. And behind him, you know, and behind him's like, you know, a bunch of like overlaid images of like the girl's face, him punching the bad guy in the face, the girl on a horse. But the best part is him jumping at an Egyptian god that never features in the movie. Isn't that right? We never see Egyptian god in the movie. It's like giant Anubis looking creature. He's jumping towards it. We never see that in the movie. Yeah, I do like the on the the spine of the cover. It's the nice little him riding shot, a horse, which is also on the back. <laughs> so, so they really got some good use out of creating that graphic. Oh yeah, they, well they got that one shot and they're like, we gotta use it. It shows Ivan at his best. You're right, it does have, like, the jackal Anubis-like head on it. It's, it's like, 12 feet tall, and he's jumping at it from the air. We never see that in the movie. Like, the closest thing in the film is, like, a person with a cloak and a golden mask. I I, think that got moved to the sequel, and they just didn't think to remove it from the cover. Oh, yeah, because this is part something in the Jack Hunter series, because this is a series of movies, allegedly. Yeah, he's jumping towards an Egyptian god, so I also thought there was going to be some mystical elements in there, but kind of, but, like, like gods. thought there was going to be literal gods turning up. I can't say I was expecting that. Now, Rachel, could you tell us about how the film opens? Because it's quite a thrilling opening to a movie. So much has happened since then. (laughs) The keyword is museum. The keyword is France. Yes, he is in a French museum. He? Who he? Jack Hunter. Ooh has broken into a museum, stealthily walks past a security guard who is eating popcorn from a clear plastic <laughs> container him. that the actor has clearly made some distinctive choices to try and make him stand out <laughs> in the film, which is essentially 
being a caricature of uh, somebody with a mental disability of some kind. I I genuinely thought he was autistic, like uh, like special needs. I don't know what his deal was. Uh, the actor probably chose this, or the director went, "Hey, give this guy a bone. He's you, got some you gotta severe have, issues going on. Let's give him a role in the movie." You got to have the, I guess, first adversary of the film be a bit of a bit more on the dumb side you know but i want you to isn't... i would agree with that but it feels wrong could you imagine like if indiana joe's the raiders of the lost ark his first nemesis was a retarded body like well, security ryan, guard like, well that's ryan the... be- you, you can chillax because the second nemesis is a lot more intense oh you mean old guy with gun <laughs> yes but before we talk about old guy with gun why was he breaking into a museum he's essentially a religious artifact that had a poem written in an ancient Syrian alphabet. Well, I don't want to tread on your toes there, but that actually wasn't his intent. He was there to take photos of this tablet, and then he dropped his camera, and he just went, whoops. He didn't drop it intentionally. No, no, he first dropped it, and then the bodyguard came in and was like, what was that noise? But he was speaking in French. By the way, this film has no subtitles till the end. One line. One line is given in a subtitle. I think there were a few, but it was definitely like the same people and it wasn't really conversations. So he drops his... It was commands. <laughs> Our fucking hero drops his camera like an idiot. And then the security guard comes after him and through it. The, the whole fight sequence, he's just trying to get his camera. I actually thought that was clever. I thought, I was like, this is kind of cute. He's like, he's trying to get the camera and the security guard's like, I'm retarded. And oh, smacks the beautiful him. beautiful rug slip. The classic fight sequence. For some reason, in a uh, museum, in the private section, they have a rug. <laughs> like, I, No, that's back outside because he goes through the secret bookcase into the secret room, and then in the vault, which he already has the code for, so we we don't get a code-breaking sequence. We just get him getting it out, he takes the photos, goes to leave, gets captured, his camera gets thrown off, and actually does properly smash. Oh, that was the best part, yeah. We do get a code-breaking sequence much later, though. It isn't a real jewel heisty type movie without a, without a code-breaking sequence. Code. Can you break it? I'm sure as hell try. He travels after that fight sequence in France where he steals it. He manages to travel back to America. No issues with customs. Well, it's okay because he's Jack Hunter. They all know who he is. He travels back to America, but that's cool and all. That's cool that he's traveled back to America, but I think we really have to cover... The third country that's really important in this, Syria, which I think featured one of Bartek's favorite duos ever in a film, which was Sexy Lady and Old Man. It was, yeah, Sassy Lady who... In a tank top. Yeah, who spoke in a very, I, I guess for us Westerners, clear voice to understand. Yeah. And then Man with... You know, thick Syrian accent and also maybe a slight lisp. <laughs> no, I don't know if it. I, it almost felt like his accent had an accent. The the conversations between them, it just felt didn't feel balanced. Who are they? Who are they? Yeah. Who are they? Ryan, 
this duo who, when you say duo, that means they're going to be together for the whole film, and yeah, you know, hundred percent, they're going to they be don't... inseparable like twins. They don't only have they don't only have three scenes together in the movie, right? Yeah, they it's, have more than Ryan. Them. This duo is main female lead and guy who's in a few scenes. It's the mentor figure. It's her mentor guy, and they're in Syria. What are they doing in Syria? What's their whole ordeal that they're going through? I could just say if they're Syrians and leave it at that, but they are. <laughs> but <laughs> that's, fu- that's funny. <laughs> I didn't expect you to say that. What's their ordeal? They're Syrians. Close. Close the book on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking case closed. Bartek solved the Syrian crisis. What's their problem? They're Syrians. Bam. Great. Well, I'm very proud of you. Well, no, I was answering why they're in Syria. <laughs> it's <laughs> like Ryan's Australian. Why is he in Australia? Yeah, I'm in Australia. That's because my my ordeal is that I have to solve the crisis of man who's digging up. An esca- you know, he's digging up to find a buried city, and I got papers from the museum guys in Syria to say, No! No archaeological digs in my country, motherfucking blonde bad guy who's German, we find out later, but he's Russian, but German, and, and he's all like... Fine, I got a mysterious accent that keeps changing through movie, but I'm gonna kill... Oh my guys, like, all these poor Syrian guys that are digging, I'm gonna kill them all. Well, there's a rat, Ryan. Because there's a rat. Someone in his group of Syrians is a rat because they told the museum guys, uh, uh, insatiable duo old man sexy lady, that this guy's up to no good. How does he know this? (laughs) Who knows? And that led to my, probably my favorite what the fuck moment in the entire film. It's like, in the film, you have the bad guy. Ah, bad guy, you know, he's a rival archaeologist and uh, adventurer type guy. He's basically national treasure. Yeah, he's kind of like a foil to our Jack Hunter character. He's Jack Hunter evil and blonde and German, uh, allegedly. And his whole thing is like, I got a rat in my organization. Ooh. He doesn't have a Russian accent. He keeps changing his accent. <laughs> I don't know. I remember being pretty Germany throughout. Really? I think we only associated as German once he said Elvitazen and he walked away. That's the only time I, in the movie I know where I went, oh, he's supposed to be German. I know that that's when we realized it, but I feel like he was at least consistent throughout. Like, the only thing that confused us was that he did speak Russian at one point. No, he spoke Russian immediately after he spoke German. And it was like, yeah, because he, he's like. In league with some Russians or something. Who they leave as a secret for the next movie because it's like, oh, you don't know who my boss is? And then you're like, no, I don't. I guess I have to wait till the next movie to find out who Albert's evil boss is. Hedging my bets? Putin. Just saying. But the whole bad guy thing is he's got a rat in his organization and we see like the little Syrian guy in the background being like, I don't know who rat is. No, don't kill my men because he's like, I just have to kill everyone. And he kills everyone. And then that guy runs away because he couldn't save them. And he runs away and he just like the bad guy looks to his right hand man guy and goes, look, it's the rats. And just points at the guy running away for his life and they just snipe him down. And I'm just like. That doesn't prove that he was the rat. I mean, we as the audience know he was the rat because he was the one in the, you know, the one guy we met. 
But it doesn't prove that to him that he's the rat because it's like, oh, you just massacred all of these people. Pretty much anyone who's a survivor is a rat if you really want to go down that route. Like, of course he's a rat if you want to think like that. He's running away from you. If he was the rat... He's the only living, like, suspect left. It's like... What's his rules? If he wasn't the rat, like, like, like in his brain, if that guy came up to him and was like, thank you for killing my men, he would turn to his right-hand man and go, definitely not the rat. Definitely not the rat. He just thanked me. It's, he didn't run away for his, from me because he wanted to live. It's like that whole- He's pa- not the rat. It's like that whole paradox of when you say, I am not X, and then you'd say something like, oh, that's what someone who is X would say. <laughs> yeah. You don't ask the question of, then what would someone who's not X say? There goes the rat. Burnt. The hyenas will have a feast tonight. So, they have this very long, intricate scene where we are seeing the archaeological dig. Yeah. And they are going through the process, so... We do have some attachment to these random Syrian men. And then all of a sudden there's an important discovery, which was done in a uselessly intricate way. Oh, yeah, they find like a rock. That was left behind. I thought that that was going to be part of the plate. Like, because uh, they have the big stone that has the poem on it. But it's missing chunks out of it. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was going to be a missing letter so that they needed Lippmann later on so that they could figure out the last clue. That's too smart. (laughs) That's actually too smart. Or it could be in a sequel. No, because he's already got it. He left that behind as well. He left that behind 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 in the explosion and shit. Yeah. So, fuck. I didn't even think about that. Wow, that's pretty great. So... We leave Syria and we go to merry old America. In California. We cut to old man who looks like Ridley Scott lecturing to a bunch of kids. <laughs> Frederick Schaefer? Who are Frederick awfully, Schaefer. <laughs> they are really engaged in that lecture. Well, no, I will disagree. They're more engaged in that one ginger kid who's like, Yo, teacher, what's your name again? Schaefer. Frederick Schaefer. What a great name, by the way. Call me Schaefer. (laughs) Call me Schaefer. And his accents are all over the shop. Yeah, this one kid sounded like he was going to fuck with him and make like a joke at his expense, but he was genuine. He just sounded like a bit of a... He just had a jerk voice. Yeah, a bit of a twerp. But I feel like they they laugh in a way that makes it feel like they're in on the joke. It's yeah. an and joke. the joke is about the content. So if they didn't understand what he was talking about, they wouldn't have actually found it though fun- that f- funny. It would have been them laughing at him. Yeah, but on that note, is there anything funny about him? Who, Frederick Schaefer? Yeah. He looks like Ridley Scott. I found that funny. <laughs> yeah, just just that, just that. Uh, nothing as a student I would find. I mean, I found it if a student, if I was a student, I would find it particularly funny that he answered his mobile phone halfway through his own lecture and then um, called off the lecture. I would have found that amazingly amusing. Like I would have, because that's what happens. And then he leaves because Jack Hunt has phoned him up pretending to be a Russian man. And when I say pretending, I mean he's literally going like. It is I. I got pizza for you. And I'm like, oh, we got his real voice. I'm glad that we got Ivan's real voice in this because Ivan looks like the most 
like Jack Hunter is just such a thick Eastern European looking dude. Ivan Sergei is an American actor known for his work in television. His best known roles are Dr. Peter Winslow in Crossing Jordan and Henry Mitchell in Charmed. Mr. Schaefer is Jack's mentor. He steals the artifact for Mr. Schaefer. Mr. Schaefer's like, I wanted a photo. And you're like, he's so like, sorry, I stole it. And he's like, oh, okay. I want to look at this. Just don't tell me how. Just don't tell me how. I want this tablet so I can figure out where this buried treasure is of this lost city or whatever and that's what he's also teaching to the kids because he's obsessed with it and and we know he's gonna die or at least i did you could just feel it because jack's all like this isn't a map because the tablet's a poem and the guy's like this poem's clearly a map listen to it and he reads the poem out in his weird accents and it's clearly a map and jack's like i've done a lot of map hunting and searching in my life and that's not a map it's a and he said poem in a weird way like poem every... or something everyone in this movie says poem like poem yeah and i was just lost i was like there's a little bit where i, you... I, I was like oh it's poem yeah i wasn't ah. lost but then when you brought it up i'm like oh i can see why ryan's confused it sounds like they're saying poem Schaefer is his mentor, his hero. He's the reason that Jack must go on this quest because he gets assassinated by some evil, mysterious forces. Surprise, it's the German guy and his crew. But before he goes out, he goes out like a fucking champ, Schaefer, because he looks like Ridley Scott and he just gives this amazing scene in which he's just ripping Jack a new asshole about not joining him on the adventure and that's where we were all pissing ourselves laughing at his accent and their acting I just couldn't get over it I love acting I'm an actor I love all the little tricks that people use and Jack Hunter did this one physical hand gesture in which he kind of did like an awkward like fist pump kind of action to describe that hey I've got a life too fist pump and it was just like what does that mean? He's grabbing his, his life. life and pulling it towards him. Now we leave tomorrow and make sure you bring everything this time. I'm sorry. Syria, we leave for Syria at once. No, no, Frederick, I'm not going to Syria. You can go to Syria. This is your life. I've got my life. I've got things to do. Yes, I know of those things. Don't start that again. I did what you asked. I've got a flight to catch. I leave for Florida tomorrow morning. I can't believe you're not the least bit curious to see where this goes. We found a clue. I'm curious, but I don't have time to go traipsing around the desert because I'm curious about some poem. This is the real deal, Jack. And, uh... During this scene where the library's at night and he's all alone until the assassin comes in, well, what's what's Jack Hunter doing? Almost getting laid. He he meets the female of another female in the movie who's like. Yeah, he technically met her at the start of Schaefer's, the library. Schaefer's right hand woman. She's previously known to him. Yeah. Yes, Schaefer's right hand woman. Relationship. Schaefer's right hand woman. They almost have sex, but then he feels weird. He's like, no, and she's just like, you promised Schaefer that you would go with him, and now you're not doing it. You're bad, Jack. And he's like, <laughs> oh god. This is My... no longer about us almost having sex. This is no longer about me not wanting to have sex with you for some mysterious reason. Ooh. Which there is no dialogue to hint at. Well, like there, there, there's no like flirty conversation that they have. Their actions portray that they are sexually attracted to each other by the cut to their making out. Oh, come on. But, Before that cut, he says, I'm Jack Hunter. And then it cuts to them about to bang. 
That's enough chemistry right there. We should point out that, you know, we do have an Australian copy of this movie, and it's rated M, which of the five main rating systems, this one's right in the middle. Yeah. Um, mature audiences. Although, 15 plus. Although MA is mature audiences, but yeah. Um, this is just mature. The single thing that's written down as classification is just the word violence. So, Schaefer is, luckily for our hero reading over this map of Syria and he circles the area where the treasure is and then he gets shot by a guy with a beard. But it's just the name of an entire range of mountains. It's yeah, but not he circles like... the specific mountain. Because, oh, but Rachel, he read in the poem before the, eyes. the fiery gaze uh, of her eyes and it, with his accent, it didn't sound like gaze as I gazed at Bartek. It sounded like gaze. His fire, her fiery gaze, and I'm just like, I can't wait for the bit in the movie where they're in the desert and they look over and there's just like a bunch of flaming homosexuals. When Schaefer eventually got murdered, Jack's like, I must go to Syria. He goes there on a nice little um. I love those shots in movies where they've filmed like a a little toy airplane. And they overlay it with the map of the globe spinning, you know what I mean? And it's spinning and it lands in Syria as the plane dips out of frame. And you're like, oh, they landed in Syria. I'm so there glad. There are so many scenes it. where they overlay maps. But I think my favorite one is later in the film where they've done it with the bloodstained map, which is the map that they no longer have. Like, the bad guys have that map at that stage, but we're following Our the heroes. good guys. Well, it's because this is a great filmmaking, that's why. So we get the Syria, and we meet the best character in any film ever made, mm-hmm. which is um, Tariq? Was it Tariq? Tariq? Tariq or Tariq? I think Tariq? it's Tariq. Whenever you need me, Tariq never sleeps. Whatever, whenever, wherever. I got it. I got it. And then we're all wrong. It's Tafreak because he's Tafreakin amazing. That's why. Because he's the Ashate of the, what was it, the tourism? He's been sent from the he's Bureau from the tu- of yeah. Tourism. Which throws us all for a loop because he's expecting someone from the Bureau of Archaeology or some bullshit. Which is the chip. Which is Syrian beauty tank top lady teamed up with old guy, but old guy not there. Old Where's- guy gone. Where's Ali? They are going to meet Old Guy. Old Guy is the only other person to know about the tablet. So he must be the guy who got uh, uh, Schaefer killed, obviously. But she's angry about that. She she snaps her flip phone in the airport and she's all like, I'm wearing a tank top at an airport and I don't like you, Jack Hunter. I like Schaefer. <laughs> And he's like, Schaefer died. Now give me the name of where, give me the location where Ali is. And she's all like, you don't get to meet him till tomorrow. I know I could make you meet him now, but I won't. And if you, <laughs> if you do it... anything bad, I'm going to call the military or whatever. The Syrian special forces on yeah. you. And you don't fuck with them. They don't say fuck, but it's like, you don't mess with them because if you do, you're dead. And, and, then, like, and then while we're sweating and shitting ourselves, Turok comes and lightens the mood. <laughs> complaining about how heavy the luggage is. Oh, he's, complain- he's always complaining or, or, or very overjoyed. There's no in-between. You don't see, like, placid him. He's... We don't see him, no. like, content. We always see him being like, Oh, look, my brother over there. He owns a shop over there. Or... I had a dream. It's like he's always rambling incessantly about like, oh, it's so hard. 
being ha- me has so much energy to him, which yeah. is why it's so great to see him playing with those kids. Oh, later on in the movie, he plays with a bunch of kids. Bartek described him as Sasha Baron Cohen. He's a Sasha Baron Cohen character. I described him more as Ro- as Mr. Bean, but in the Middle East. I made a bet that he would die in the movie, and he did not die. Yeah, I, I challenged you on that almost instantly. I'm like, this guy, he's not dying. And Rachel put forward the idea that he's a double agent, which the film then it, proceeds it, to run with to the very end of the movie that he could be a bad guy. We don't It does entertain know. the idea. I mean, our, our main hero doesn't like him because he suspects him of being a bad guy throughout the whole movie. Yeah, but, like, but then, and we're getting ahead of ourselves again but then the main girl does mention like no he clearly he was talking to his wife and then the phone tapping oh, was yeah. how they found out because bad guys followed them throughout the movie it's like how do these bad guys know where we are it's like the bad guys even say we tapped your phone idiots and he's like it must be Tariq <laughs> <laughs> That's she even says did you get brain damage in the last 30 minutes or something what's wrong with you didn't you hear Levin he's been intercepting our calls did your IQ drop in the last 30 minutes? We're in Syria. We're at the airport with Tariq and Syrian girl. And they drive off. And they take us to, like, a bunch of market stalls to yeah, go they meet are going to Ali's Ali. contact. No, they're going to Ali's antique show. Where his contact has, like, a message. Yeah, where he's left something for them that they have to collect. And what is it? ends up being a scroll but there's a note from him that's hidden in the scroll and the scroll is also a map yes a map that leads them to the treasure and they're like is this a fake map was this i don't know it, it yeah the well the map itself was like geographically correct but he'd marked the wrong place on it like the treasure wasn't located underneath the lake that had been created by a dam in the 70s. Uh, classic Syria. W- it was in the mountains. But Rachel, bigger question. Do we have an epic fight sequence during this simple scroll getting? Somebody could call it epic, yes. Well, I, I thought you were going to call out the whole fight thing because, yeah, there, there is fighting in it, but it's also a kind of chase sequence as well. Yeah, because the bad guys keep getting the scroll and then they have to get the scroll from them and then the bad guys have to get the scroll from them and it's a continuous L- getting of scrolls. Let's generalize it to we get an action sequence. Yes, we get a lovely action sequence in which a guy punches a wall. <laughs> that was great. And there was one. And he reacts realistically. Like, he doesn't, like he's a big, fit, monster looking dude. In a turban he, and all this. He's and definitely like with not a big one beard. to mess with. Yeah. And he just punches a wall. He's like, oh my god, my head! Well, to be, to be clear, he, he's trying to punch Jack, but then Jack dodges and he hits a wall. I'm not saying that this guy's a wall-punching enthusiast. It's not like this guy's like he casually just like... He wasn't prepared. It's not like this guy's always punching walls. It's not like this guy's constantly like, I just want to punch a wall every moment I can. But no, poss- Jack tricked him into punching walls. Possibly one of the greatest parts of this sequence is Jack runs out of the inside of the building and he's on like... the balcony and there's a guy who all right this is another guy who tries to punch him and jack dodges but editing yes editing this film this this episode editing is our word of the day um (laughs) basically these two are kind of facing each other like the momentum of his punch would still like send him forward just walking across the balcony yeah but somehow he misses the punch and then the next shot is either the next shot or two shots later He's falling off the balcony. Our 
understanding of what happens is that the momentum of his missed punch sent him flying over the balcony. Yes, but I took it as Jack kind of grabbed his arm and forced him off the balcony. Which makes more sense, but But the the editing editing is what I would call stylized because it allows (laughs) you to choose what happened. There's a lot of editing moments of characters falling off. I will note this. The editing, for the most part's decent. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, sure, it feels like someone got Windows Movie Maker and edited it together, but any scene involving people falling off of things is so incomprehensible that you have to rewind the film and question how they fell off the things. We'll get to a famous falling off sequence later, but there's a couple of times in movies where people fall off things and you just have to go, wait, what? Like, Bart's like saying, he fell off because of his own momentum of missing the punch. And I'm like, no, Jack must have flipped him off. The keyword being must have. You choose. <laughs> That's the film. You choose how this works. So we have that great little action sequence in which they get the scroll. They don't get the scroll. They get the scroll. They don't get the scroll. And then they get in Tariq's car and they're like, drive Tariq or Tariq. And he's just like, ay, ay, ay. He's singing, they do accidentally he? crash a wedding. Before they <laughs> I do, it. yes. Like, during the ceremony, by the looks of things, because the bride and the groom are under some kind of altar, and they crashed into the wedding cake, but you don't actually see the cake. You just say cake splattered on the two actors' faces. The Syrian bride, she looks at them, and she's, like, so pissed off, and they're just like, you look beautiful! Oh, and Ryan, during this sequence, you kept pointing out uh, <laughs> extra details. Oh, I was going to hint towards the extras both my line extra details, but you beat me to it. Extras in this movie are the type in which they filmed in a public location and they didn't have like paid, or for the most part, paid acting extras. They just had people who are working in market stalls and stuff. So you have a bunch of elderly people and or people smoking who notice the camera <laughs> and look at the camera. We're like, what the fuck's going on? My personal favourite was the woman that was clearly the opposite of that, where she was walking with her child and trying to not look at the camera and trying to, like, get her child out of this situation because she clearly had no real clue what was going on and she, like, pinched her headscarf forward so, like, the camera was fully out of her view and you could see less of her face. Brilliant. I didn't even notice her. Yeah, I think I, I didn't quite notice as many looking at the camera extras. There was one extra I noticed to, and this isn't really super funny or anything, but um, they had like a distinct like stripy red white shirt, and they were walking across the street during one shot, and then when it cut to another camera angle, they were a bit further back. So I assumed that that one was a paid extra who was asked what to do. We get up to a portion of the film that I want to call actors get to relax portion because. Yeah, After you, you the have action downtime. sequence, we get them just sitting around in hotels for a little while, eating food and laying in beds and phoning people on the phone. Belly dances. And belly dancing, and nothing really of note happens there. There's like a piss proper, week action sequence. That's the proper introduction to the villain that happens then. Uh, and we get the introduction. Well, for, for us, we already know who he is because he killed yeah, people. But that's the confirmation that he is German. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, because he turns up at the restaurant. Yeah, and and the explanation of the Russian mafia being it. 
yeah, yeah. set of people that yeah, are involved. That's, that's true. We get Russian mafia being introduced. And we have a piss-weak action sequence in which people try to attack Jack in his bedroom, but he just disarms them and they run away like a bunch of cowards. She's knocking on the door like, what's this obvious action sequence going on? But she's just like... What's happening, Jack? And then he opens up the door. And she's like, "What went on in here?" Uh, yeah, it's was, like, "What do a, you think? A crazy oh, sex a nice scene?" Like, quippy line comes a, up after that. There was a great part just before that where um they're they're running out of the balcony and Jack throws like a knife or something at them and it smashes <laughs> the glass. Yeah, and it's like, "Oh shit, I smashed the glass." And then she knocks and he's like about to open the door. Then it cuts. Back to the glass. It just to breaks. the glass. It breaks, it. and that's the shot. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, well, like, everything's fully Was that for, like, continuity or no, something? No, because they... Obviously, the director took that shot and they wanted to keep that shot in, but they couldn't fit it in the way it originally would have been. Yeah, it, so they're like, like, we just got to cut back to it. it it's like how in I'm the, not wasting that fucking shot. That co- that shot cost $40 million. It's like how in the action scene before where they were running through the market, it sometimes just cut to random people looking. Well, you know, you got to show the world, Bartek, and in that world, there was a piece of glass that fell over. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, it broke. Um, yeah, so she knocked down. on the door and then there's a quippy line you said I can't remember what the quippy lines are in no this. like when she's asked well what happened here and he's like oh, just an excellent turn down service oh. oh yes yeah Jack's full of quips by the way we knew he was going to be a snarky guy because his first line of dialogue is hey I need a receipt for that or something like that he's like I don't have a receipt for that it's when when he's when she stops being surly he stops being as quippy which is thank god but then Tariq just starts being more Tariqy about it all, which is just fucking great. So if this film is supposed to be Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones, does that mean that we should be comparing uh, Mr. Ivan Sergei to Mr. Harrison, Harrison Ford? Ford? Yeah. Um. Look, Harrison Ford's not an actor I particularly love or praise often, but one thing he does have. And, and, you know, in his earlier career, especially more so than his uh, current career, is he has charm up the wazoo. Harrison Ford is charming. Ivan? Um, where's the charm, Ive? A similarity is that in particular scenes, both actors do appear to be struggling to remember what is meant to be going on and what their lines are. Get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> Ah, they kind of go driving for a little bit, and yeah, they, they get driven off the road, and they're, they're like, heading out into the desert. And they're like, who's doing this to us? My favorite bit of that was the bad guys never shot at them. They shot up in the air, so it's not like they wanted but to kill them. They didn't and I will... even pretend to be aiming at them. Well, in the defense of the bad guys, um, Albert who is called Albert, but sometimes Ivan will pronounce it Albert. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, he doesn't want to kill Jack. He needs Jack because Jack is the real information. Jack's got all the info because Albert gets all of his info from intel, from wiretapping, phone tapping, and spies that he has around. Hence, Tariq, the comedic relief of the movie, is, or Tariq, is considered to be um, a spy, a mole, a double agent. We don't know if he is or isn't for a good majority of the film. We assume he isn't. 
but Jack doesn't. He hates him for a good portion of this movie for no reason, other than he just has a slight theory that he could be it, even though he's proven time and time again that he's not. But he's but... mistrustful of everybody. Not her. And he'll drive. And he drives, which has a great little sequence when they're in the desert, they're being chased off the road. He's all like, don't worry, I drive, it's what I do. They I will not fall asleep. And he cut to him being asleep, and he's asleep for the whole entire chase sequence. Like, they're crashing into things, and shots are being fired, and cars are being, like, you know, driven off the road onto mountaintops, and all this kind of crazy shit. And he's asleep, and then he wakes up at the end, give us the comedic punch. He's like, oh boy, I had a crazy dream that we were being chased. It was a nightmare, Ryan. Nightmares, they're like dreams, but scary. And his assumption was that Jack had the same nightmare, even though Jack was driving. So oh, He doesn't know that, he just woke up. <laughs> like, like, he could have thought, Jack, you had a micro-sleep, but you were in that nightmare, right? <laughs> <laughs> micro-sleeps, they're very dangerous. Do you know one of the worst things that can happen while you're driving? This. Scientists call it a micro-sleep. Big problem. When you start to get drowsy, there's no way to know when you'll slip into one of these micro-sleeps. Bigger problem. At 100 k's, you travel over 100 metres every four seconds. So if you nod off, you could end up here, or here, or here. So don't ignore the early warning signs. When they start, it's time to stop, revive, survive. Them being chased off the road by bad guys with guns leads to them being chased off the road into more bad guys with guns. But are they bad guys? Well, Ryan, they get saved by the bad guys with guns. But remember... From I... bad guys with guns, right? Well, like, yes, like I said, they are still bad guys. <laughs> yeah, but they get chased into the desert to meet a bunch of people living in the desert with guns, and they seem like bad guys. But are they bad guys? We are led to believe so because they look like bad guys with guns. But then our hero says, these guys are weak shots. And then Tariq's like, maybe they're just warning you. And they were. They are warning them. Don't come near us. We've got guns. And we knew that uh, that Jack is a good shot with a gun because he used both hands on his pistol. And Tariq doesn't know how to use guns. I actually thought he was going to shoot himself in yeah, the face. I thought that was going to be the joke. at himself. Yeah, it looked creepy. Didn't he have a line of, like, he's familiar with guns, just not using no, them? No, he's always got a gun on him, but he doesn't know how to use them because yeah. since his... I would imagine... I'm not an expert, but I would imagine Syria being Syria, I would imagine that all government officials would have guns on them just yeah, because of the turbulent environment that is Syria. And him being on a case in which he knows that there are armed individuals, I imagine that he would be armed with a gun at all times. They get chased in the desert by the bad guys, attacked by more bad guys, and then are saved by the bad guys. Yep. Tariq ran away straight into the bad guys guys but they didn't capture him somehow because even they're like where is he he's got the power of editing choices editing cuts to them at night our two heroes tied up to a pole i love that in movies you know in movies where it's like the bad guys have a desert base or something and they always like tie them to poles like i imagine that's yeah, what would happen but it's, it's the like tank pole and it's with duct tape in this scene our bad guy albert Littmann comes up to them and he has to make a deal with jack Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He does. What's that deal? You don't remember, do you? 
<laughs> Jack gives him the information that he needs. Ne- he needs, which I is the name, name of the mountains. Right. Because well, the Littman actual treasures. Threat- Littman threatens to kill her, and she is just like, oh, good on you, Jack. Oh. And he's just like, hey, I just bought us time. Now, in her defense... Jack made a wager of I get 50% of all the profits and the girl and the bad guy's like, sure, of course, that makes complete sense. I I am not in a position to argue because you bring up this event that is clearly from our shared past that I am ashamed of. Oh, Peru. Oh, yes. Remember Peru? You didn't deliver. We know the bad guy had an incident in Peru because he gulps. You know, he goes. It's the most emotion you see from him. Oh, he has a lot of joy when he shoots the rat. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Tariq saves them because they didn't find him and he has a knife. Yeah. Where did he get this knife? Did the government supply him with knives? Then they escape and they have the wandering through the desert. You know, they do Lawrence of Arabia for a while. Yes, this it is... brought flashbacks of meteor apocalypse, just wandering about yes. with shots at night, shots in day, and it led to the argument, like the the the, the, the conversation, the, the discussion. The, the breakdown, I want to call it. It led to where we had to rewind the movie several times, pause Four it. Four or five times. Freeze yes. frame it. Discuss geography of scene construction and literal geography of land because our main girl falls over when wandering in the desert off a cliffside. And it's too sudden to be natural. We have to keep rewinding it, trying to figure out, no, wait, this makes sense? No, it doesn't make sense. I was trying to argue that it did because I had belief in the filmmakers. <laughs> Because it hadn't been that incompetent up until that point. Like, yes, you had the weird the balcony thing, balcony thing, but it was kind of like you could put one and one together to equal two. But this one's like, hey, hey, you put five and nineteen plus minus one, and you got this and this and this is like throwing all this stuff at you. You're like, God, I don't know, I don't know. To put it in very simple terms, it looks like they're climbing, you know, a rock that's maybe half to a quarter of a meter high, and you know, just getting up higher but then all of a sudden as it looks like they're just climbing up they're at the top of this rock that's much much higher it's a cliff (laughs) two or three meters yeah like basically a little cliff and she just trips backwards and it's like this does not compute with what we were expecting of this geographical spot from the last shot because but the the last shot ends with them like still walking and that shot begins with them still walking so it naturally us as a viewing audience would expect this to mean this is a continuation just a different camera angle but all of a sudden it's like they're in a completely different place that place leads them to Syrian Paul Giamatti (laughs) that's you like this character Ryan ah kids I love to play with them, you know? That's why I live for. Sorry? <laughs> this whole wandering through the desert leads them to a random Syrian guy and his family who live out in the desert. Mm. No mum in sight. Just him, and he's so polite. I was expecting him to be a bad guy. I was expecting everyone to be a bad guy. I was expecting him to turn around and be like, Ha I work for Albert. But instead, he reminded me of a Syrian version of Paul Giamatti, but nice, because Paul Giamatti's usually an asshole. He's hospitable. He's just very he's polite. He's constantly offering them food. He accommodates them, like, perfectly. Even Jack's like, well, Syrians are known for their hospitality. But he's saying it in an untrusting way, like, uh- 
Syrians. Referral back to the scene in the antiques shop because he looks at the guy that eventually attacks them really suspiciously and she's just like, Syrians are known for being nice and hospitable. For the thing that I thought was going to be Indiana Jones, I didn't expect so much playing with kids in it. <laughs> it was just like running around and children and he described like this game that the kids are playing and that leads them to the discovery of, oh my god... Schaefer realized that the poem was a map and the map leads to the mountains that he already circled on the actual map. My god, the treasure's in the mountain. Like, I didn't realize that that was supposed to be a reveal. I just thought, oh, this is what we already know, right? You're trying to get to this mountain, right? It leads them to the mountaintop because they say goodbye to Paul and they say goodbye to um Tariq because they're like, you, go get help. They have a nice little gallop to the mountain. Sorry, they see the eyes so they they eventually go up to the eyes and then it gets too hectic this is the fiery gaze was it yes the fiery gaze because they notice it was it at the sunrise or the sunset they see the sun sunset and then they go up at sunrise yeah and then when they get closer that's when they figure out where the mouth is and then they accidentally go into the mouth because convenient dust storm appears out of nowhere and then that's when we get the magical use of matches and a lantern that very conveniently doesn't wound anybody when it should have exploded they are searching through this cavern With the papier-mâché walls. (laughs) Yeah, and it's when they've all looked at all of the animals that are nicely done into the walls with papier-mâché that looks like it's been done by By, children. Yeah, by Paul Giamatti's kids, it looks like. But they're not so much ingrained as it's sticking out, so it's like they've been carved around. Um, And then they figure out that it's the bull symbol, step forward, and then they slide down this kind of... Shoot! But you're forgetting. Makes it feel like it's, it's going a good thing to be they didn't run into scorpions or and anything he was like that. Yeah. No the CGI lantern, scorpions. And then the lantern just poof has disappeared because they do not have it when they get down the bottom. But you don't see anything happen with it. But it would have been dropped when they went down, or it would have still been in his hand. It might have gone up his butt. You don't know. It could have slid up his butt. Editing choices. But you forgot the most important part. There was a bunch of CGI scorpions and he just flicked them off himself and she was afraid because scorpions. And he's just like, nah, this is the worst of it. Get over it. She's like, you're right. It's and they really proceed- nonchalant. And they but proceed to walk into a nest of scorpions. Scorpions are more scary than a surprise slippery slide. It apparently stops lanterns from exploding. We leave happy-go-lucky fun slide that was... Entered by Scorpion Cove, as I would call it. Yeah. <laughs> well, could... no, because they Scope. go through Scorpion Cove. To Happy Go Lucky and... Fun Slide. No, and then it's the room with all of the other animals. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, puzzle. They have to go past the scorpions to get to the second room to pick which uh, doorway they want to choose. And then they go down to Puzzle Room. Yeah, which, which is Alphabet. It's just basically the, um, what's it called? The Uruguruti, what's the name? It's the Ancient Syrian The alphabet. Ancient Syrian Alphabet, and they have to spell the name of um, the woman who's mentioned as their god figure or in the poem. And Bartek described this as a bad game. <laughs> I described yeah. it as unfair. I was making it a joke that, like, oh, this is bad game design because you can lose before... Because the threat of the 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 consequence for 
failing this challenge is death because the walls are closing in on you and they're going to crush you. And that's like, oh, you lost because time was up. But because of the buttons that you have to press to pass this challenge are on the walls that you can't access once the walls get closer to you. But we don't know that there's only one option. We don't. Because Because there's more tiles than there are letters in the alphabet. Because they said that their alphabet's like our alphabet. That's where our alphabet came from. So only 26 letters. Letters to letters. So even if you missed one wall, you have the two other walls that are closing in on you. And then we discover there's a fourth wall that was not there before. That was where they walked in. They walked in and then another wall was there and that opens up and leads them to the Hashishins or whatever, the assassins. I guess the thing with me was that one of the buttons they pressed was a button that was just about just to be covered because that's what she found. And that indicated to me like, oh, that, w- that was the one they had to press. But since it's our alphabet, like since it's the same number as our alphabet and it's a whole wall of letters... There's so many times... Um, you it's just definitely it, a possibility. You could just yeah. do it on one wall. And apparently If now, they allowed it like that. Maybe on one wall they had a H on one and they didn't include it on the other. And apparently there is now a fourth wall. Which yeah. gives a different option. Yeah, they never chose that wall. That wall just, once they complete it, just opens up and leads them into a fiery hellscape, basically. In which we get to meet... A bunch of assassins. Yeah, the Hashashins. So we're led into the assassins' den. We find out the leader of the assassins is Ali. Who faked his own death. Yeah, that was a scene that happened earlier where they're like, Ali died in a car crash. So they get there, they secretly watch while the ritual happens. The ritual is like them shooting energy beams. And then they, all, all of the brothers are hugging each other. And then he finally takes his mask off, and then she's just like, Ali, in a whisper, but apparently, you know, because they're in a cave. Loud enough, Everybody yeah. hears them, and Jack's just like, okay. fuck you, you screwed over us. And he, he just, like, even... resigns himself to being captured. And oh, great, like, you revealed us. Uh, I give my... up my Jack Hunter days now, now oh, I am my. Bill. And then immediately tells them the information that they need to know, which is kind of nice because it's just like hey here's a heads up the bad guys are following us we came here anyway knowing that but it's just so that you can try and do your thing now i've got an important question rachel um they're assassins old school assassins you know with the the, the all black head scarves and knives the, only not knives um the the well, those Saudi Blades. Arabian type swords, the ones that bend. Scimitars? Yeah, yeah. Scimitars? I think, you know, one of those bendy swords. And I've got an important question for both of you. Who wins in a fight? Guy with sword or guy with machine gun? <laughs> Who wins? Group of guys with swords or group of guys with machine guns? Well, Ryan, which one's sharper? Because <laughs> guys with machine guns fucking wreck these assassins. <laughs> these guys have been at it saving the world and protecting the Syrian people for centuries. And, and they haven't adapted to modern weaponry? Well, we see Idiots. them using guns outside. I think it was it's In meant there. to be more that that's a sacred space. So they aren't meant to bring modern things in there. Dumbasses. Just dumb. Even the guys in the mummy had guns. <laughs> they had a staff. They had a staff that they proceeded never to use or protect. 
They used it when the leads were incognito still. Yeah, yeah but like, like that was the when the attack ritual. starts yeah, happening. Yeah, but when the attack happens. They proceed to not protect it and not use it. Only Jack uses it and he uses it to pretty much fuck up everything by destroying the entire mountain. Yep. He's our hero, by the way. <laughs> Mr. Albert's in the scene too, Ryan. Oh, yeah. And he gets the staff, but then he doesn't get it. But then he gets it back and he just runs away happy. <laughs> He's like, I'll see you again. And we never see him again. That's the last time we see Albert is him running off with the staff. You make it sound like this film's going to end on a cliffhanger or something. No. Yes. <laughs> of course it does. And they get out of the cave having lost because the bad guy has the magical weapon, but he needs to go to Egypt. And he knows that he needs to go to Egypt. Our heroes fucking lose. This is like a fucking tragedy. I didn't expect him to lose, but it's okay because when they get to the surface, the police are there. The, the army. Arm, the Syrian army that you weren't supposed to mess with, but somehow the bad guys got away from them, even though they're surrounding the whole mountain. Mm. Somehow they got away. And Turk's there too. Thanks, yeah. Turk. Jack, I told you we meet again, my friend. Huh? See? I said I would come to your rescue. Day or night, Tar is at your service. And I brought the army with me. Uh... Why don't you guys just describe the ending for us all? Well, clearly, Ryan, they go to a park. I think it was. It was a park, right? Yeah, I think it's a park or at least outside the hotel. Like, just having oh, a cafe or it's, something. It's definitely Other like... people are eating food around them. Yeah. So it's a cafe of something. It's, yeah, definitely a public cafe of something in a very greeny kind of environment. I think there's like a little pond nearby. Um, our he- Yeah, our hero is back to wearing his black shirt. So that's him in casual mode. No longer looking like Indy. And they have a conversation. He gets a phone call from original girl that he was kind of paired with. Yeah, the assistant to Schaefer. Yes. Who I thought was a bad guy at some point. I thought everyone was a bad guy, in my defense. Turns out she works for the company. What one? The company, the CIA. We don't even know if that's the CIA. It oh, just is one, her. Of you, one of you said CIA. Rachel so. said, oh, she's from the CIA, but all we get is a bunch of people smashing keyboards and looking at a bunch of television screens next to each other yeah. with she's cameras an, on. Yeah, cameras she's an American at, looking at a bunch of surveillance. So that leads to is. the assumption. Yeah, it well, ends on a shot of her, right? It ends on a shot of her just looking at the just screen with him on it. Just her eyes. But her Extreme glasses, closer. her glasses or whatever, reflecting the screen with him on no, the screen. No, it's just her iris. She's oh. not wearing glasses because she's not a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, brave statement. No. <laughs> Because she is a detective. Breaking news. <laughs> this woman's not a fucking nerd. She's a dweeb, but not a fucking nerd. Is she even a dweeb? We don't even allow nerds into the Jack Hunter universe, because if we have a nerd, we fucking shoot them in the first act, because nerds are not allowed in Jack Hunter's world. Do any of the students in Schaefer's lecture have a glass? They're not nerds. Sorry. They're dweebs, but they're not nerds. I've got the breaking source here. It's from the CIA. That chick, not a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) And the movie just ends with the bad guys winning, the good guys losing, and a reveal that this woman isn't who she seemed to be. We don't know if she works for the CIA. We just have to assume that. Somebody. She might. And she's trying to protect the interests of the entire world. So she works for Shield, huh? Yeah. Is this the Jack Hunter 
like movie in the event style thing. Yeah, so I reckon this is an expanded universe. There's going to be like the other ripoff movies. So it will be like this is the Indiana Jones ripoff movie. He's going to be teamed up with like the Star Wars ripoff movie. Like every Harrison Ford ripoff movie possible. It's like the Witness ripoff movie. It's like so there's going to be an Indiana Jones ripoff teamed up with a Han Solo ripoff teamed up with a guy who's an FBI agent, a guy who's a president on a plane who just a replicant, maybe, or at least a Blade Runner. <laughs> oh, we're talking about Harrison Ford specifically. Yeah, Harrison, all like right, all then. of his characters. Yeah, then a Blade Runner. And then a Blade Runner, and then, you know, just real life Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford on Nate Graham Norton. Yeah, and it would just be the, it would be called the Forgers. <laughs> <laughs> the Forgers. Yeah. The Forgers. Uh... And it would just be a movie in which it's like the S.H.I.E.L.D. organization. Oh, she's like, I've teamed up the Earth's mightiest heroes, the Forgers. And they're all like Harrison Ford ripoffs. And then the leader of the group is Harrison Ford because he has nothing better to do. <laughs> yeah, you'd like that, wouldn't you? <laughs> Always trying to blame me. <laughs> You're the one who couldn't keep it in your in your furry pants <laughs> this movie is weird to say the least it ends on a sour note but it's a cliffhanger because there's going to be more there's going to be more and i've got to ask you guys the important question are you invested in the jack hunter series are you going to see more of them i don't i would, I would like to see more i don't feel like i'm that invested in it but if you find a copy of the sequel i will watch it I'm not. I don't want to see it. <laughs> uh, no, not really. I mean, I enjoyed this movie. I guess this is where we're going to ask if this is the recommended portion of the episode. Would we recommend this? I would recommend this as a stupid fun time. Turn off your brain movie. It's not offensive. We've had a few on here that have offended my intelligence or my morals. No, this isn't offensive. It's fun. It's stupid. You get a couple of laughs. It's not a so bad it's good, but it's not a bad movie. I would say, like, it isn't great. But it's fine. It's serviceable. It's the sound a- quality leaves a lot to be desired, I reckon. It could be louder. Uh, if it, and if, if you have a copy with subtitles, that would help a lot. I would recommend it. I'm not invested in the rest of the series. If I do find it somehow, we will have it on the mystery box if it, and if it gets chosen after I find it. But I'm not going to go out of my way to go find more Jack. Bartek, would you recommend this? Honestly, it's very similar to what you said. Uh, it's It was passable. It, you know, it had a story. It had more of what we were expecting than, say, something like Meteor Apocalypse. Um... It had funny moments. We found things to point at and laugh at. Um, I personally struggled a bit to follow along with some of the revelations and the plot progression. But yeah, otherwise it it was all right. I, I I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it, but if it's there, then, you know... Put it on. You won't hate yourself or anything. A few specific groups of people that I would recommend this film to are... People who non-ironically enjoy the film series The Librarian. And also parents who feel like Indiana Jones is a little bit too much for their kids to handle, but they want to watch something like that and are interested in it. Then this is the dupe that you feed your kids that like this is a a spin-off series of Indiana Jones. This is the kids Indiana Jones with River Phoenix, yeah. You know, this film did 
rip-off indie, but it didn't have any Nazis with face-melting effects, so... Yeah, there wasn't anything it just as had, extreme. It just had Germans turning to dust. It didn't have Russians being eaten by ants and yeah. Kate Blanchett well, discovering we, we aliens. Gotta, gotta wait for the Russians. Only one murder had blood involved and seen at all. What year do you guys think this film was made? 2003. Bartek, what year do you think this came out? I remember earlier on I was thinking more the mid-2000s, but as I was watching it, even though I had complaints about like the sound quality, I feel like the picture quality was a lot better. Better even than Meteor Apocalypse, which that uh. one surprised me. That was like, what, 2009? So I'm thinking more around that time. I'm going to guess 2008. Mm. What did you think, Ryan? I thought 2007. Okay. Bang on, I went 2007. I'm like, this is 2007. And the answer is 2008. Bartek, you nailed it. Well, 2008. But, but you know, it might have been filmed in 2007. Oh, so. it was definitely filmed in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> released in 2007. Those were nice flip phones. <laughs> they had them in 19. The technology in the, the last scene, though, was pretty... Rocky. Pretty full on. Yeah. It had CG oh. in it. So, that's it. That's the episode. But wait a moment. Oh? Are we in trouble? We're in trouble, Rachel. <gasps> oh, Rachel, okay, not me. Well, you're going to... Hold on a sec. Rachel, we're in trouble. Because Bartek brought in an uninvited guest. <gasps> a villain. A monster. A creature that won't let us finish the episode until we defeat it. But he is the, he is the rub. He is the catch. He is the twist. We need another person to help us defeat this monster because this monster this creature this being cannot be defeated by three individuals such as you myself and bardic sorry for bringing him by the way you yeah. fucking dare you come so, in so here and bring in a monster on you as well bartek well it was an uninvited guest but bartek even for bartek the- he was like yo man stay outside and it was like <laughs> cuz it's scooby doo that's the monster it was a very weird scorpion it's a scorpion from hell. So it's a scorpion Hashtag not all scorpions. That, that talks like Scooby Doo. Okay. Yeah. And we need to select a character from the movie that we think will help us defeat this scorpion that sounds like Scooby Doo from hell. Rachel, who do you advocate as your defender of our lives? So I believe the best choice for this is the bad guy's head henchman. Oh, the one who shot the rat. The one, the one who had the gun that gave the villain the gun to shoot the rat. Because mm. memorable character. Because he saves the villain's ass multiple times, and most likely was the reason that he managed to escape with the staff. I didn't think of that guy who I never thought about. Bartek, you? Who do you advocate as our hero, our champion, our defender? Well, I thought that we should have someone who, against all odds, didn't die. <laughs> so we can't have Schaefer. <laughs> which is a shame. Unless unless we get a spirit. But you know what, Ryan? We don't know. There could be a sequel. Uh, look, Schaefer's I'm... spirit. <laughs> we know the sequel's not called that. but That'll be the, the sequel after the sequel. Uh, the third installment. Ryan, against all odds, against all doubt, Taruk never died. Taruk or Tariq? His brother, Tariq Rook. And he can drive. And he has. And he doesn't. And he owns a gun. And he's a heavy sleeper. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. I like both of your suggestions. Both of them are. I knew Bartek was going to go down that route. Rachel, 
fucking side blind. Like I'm fucking blindsided there. I I I I. Third time's a charm, right? I was going to select Paul Giamatti. Oh, okay. Dad, because he was just so nice, and he did come back at the end and was like, oh, I told you you'd see me again. I literally saw you this morning, but I told you you'd see me again. I think, you know, I don't know, Bards, like, I think Rachel really defended her case. <laughs> Rachel had the best <laughs> argument. I think we have to select Goon. <laughs> Unnamed character? <laughs> Unnamed Goon. Head henchman. Head henchman, right hand man. Henchman. We are selecting. I don't know, Bartek. I'm I'm on Rachel's side, and that's two against two against one there. So no, I'm on her side too. You're on her side too. We so are... it's four against one. Oh no, that's right. We have to fight Scorpion. Bartek has to go first because he's he's the one who started this mess. Well, look, I have Eastern European blood, so obviously I'm gonna flick it. This giant scorpion that's much bigger than the one in the film. And you know what? I think we'll be I think we'll be alright. So Minimal damage. <laughs> My fingernail. Ah. No, no. Bartek's but... hurt fingernail. But I take the, recall the, damage. The, the flick does kick him out of the door. Oh no. The giant scorpion. Okay, the, cool. The giant scorpion that burst through our doorway uninvited because he was meant to stay outside and he didn't. Outside. And what does the scorpion say in response to being flicked? fuck! <laughs> now it's my turn. I'm gonna choose grabbing the key to the door <laughs> and locking the door <laughs> because my option is not attack but movement based. I am doing the movement towards key. I hear Scorpion Tail moving. But I am not phased by this. I use grab key option. This is a multi-phased. Yes, yes. And I run towards door. Scorpion knocks key out of hand. My move failed. And now then, we have And to... then the scorpion says, even if you did lock it, I would have picked it with my pincer. Or my tail. It's, or, it's, or tail, yes. Or mouth. As we know, I have three ways of fucking you over. <laughs> really think about this next time. And I'm like... You're right. And then we're like, what happened to your Scooby-Doo voice? It's like, it's, you know, whatever. Well, I was translating it like Shaggy (laughs) would. (laughs) Uh, Rachel, now it's your turn. You have to do something against this big, mean scorpion who sounds like Scooby-Doo. This scorpion that sounds like Scooby-Doo. And it's giant. I will distract in the way that you would do actual Scooby-Doo, which is to say that there's a ghost behind him and he will run away (laughs) because, as we know, the reason why he didn't want to stay outside is because it was getting dark. And as most people know, Bartek hangs around with some werewolves, so it's a bit suspicious crowd, so the scorpion didn't trust to be left alone outside. And who does he run into? Well, that's what I was going to say. Our fourth guy needs to do something. Yeah. And you're saying he's going to run into him, but guess what? He actually runs into another meaner scorpion who's going to team up against us. But thank God, we have a fourth member, Henchman. He gives Bartek two guns. (laughs) And Bartek, this is still his move, by the way. You fire guns at Scorpion. Scorpions saying, looks like we got some rats. And then we beat them. And now we can end the episode. Successful. Thanks, henchmen. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Bartek. Thank you, So he was Ryan. like a beast tamer thing, but the beast was me. Yeah. Okay. The beast is you. I'm fine with that. Um, I hang out with werewolves, apparently, so that's fine. <laughs> you're, you are a werewolf. Ooh.
Are you saying he's a werewolf? <laughs> I said werewolf, not a fucking owl. You sounded more like an owl. I was trying to go for a kind of thing. You sound way too owl like. Just like. Well, the fact that I'm saying who, but I was howling like the. I know. I was being the stereotype. I know you were trying. I'm now too worried about sounding like an owl to even attempt. Should I have gone like a dog? Should I have gone for like an owl kind of thing? Yeah. Instead of instead of. Well, you made it sound a bit like Scooby. But you were more like. I'm like, what is this? A fucking owl attack? Well, I didn't start with the A sound, but everything else is alright. A hoo! <laughs> so, you guys have been a fantastic, amazing, wonderful <laughs> listening people. What? What's funny? They have been! Leave them alone, Bart's like, they've been great listening people, having to suffer through us as we suffered through a movie that I recommended, as did you, as did Rachel. I was laughing because they made a funny face. The you listening people. Your stupid face. Well, they're not stupid. I'll just. I was. It's like a complimentary laugh. Stupid you can, face. Yeah, you can have stupid face without being stupid. Yeah, you can have an incredibly stupid face but be intelligent. Guys, when you when you rate us on iTunes, give a separate rating for each co-host. The one that complimented you and the one that called you stupid. I said stupid face. So yeah, different. You guys have been fantastic, amazing, wonderful listening people, as always. Rachel, pleasure to have you on as a guest and as a selector of the movie. I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed having you as a guest. Bartek, as always, a pleasure hosting with you and having to endure what the box has given us. Woo! Because it's spooky. If you guys want to support us, you know, just drop us a rating on iTunes or like us on social media we're on facebook we're on the youtube we're on spotify now we're spit and polish presents you can find us under that name on many different mediums and it should be a fun easy time until next time guys remember to be kind to each other